Now we're going to enter into our favorite part of the ASI convention, and that's the members in action. And I'm here with Julia, and Julia, you're used to being the interviewee, and now you are the interviewer. How was that? It was so much fun, Denzel. I loved meeting all these amazing people and seeing how God's working through them. It was a wonderful experience. And I'm really looking forward to hearing them, as I know you will. But our first member in action is very interesting because this is a Korean who is working in Bolivia. Yes, I had to smile at God because Korean in Bolivia, I'm American, I work in Asia. I love how we serve a cross-cultural God, don't you? Amen. And you know, his name is Dosung Kim. And he's the president of a missionary training school with about 100 attending. And so many miracles are happening down there. Let's take a look. Hello, Dosung. It's so good to see you all the way in Bolivia. How are you? Very well, thank you, Julia. It's good to be here with the ASI family. We'd love to hear about your ministry. Sure. Well, we have a medical missionary training school. And we also have a bakery, gardening, and a very practical part of the uh, training here. You have a lot going on. Wow. So I'm just curious how COVID-19 affected you in Bolivia. Well, it's definitely affected our ministry, though our campus doesn't have any cases, and the villages nearby don't either. But at the beginning of crisis, even with only a handful of cases in the whole country, the government put it in complete lockdown. We were only allowed to go out one day a week and only for five hours to the closest town. And the few markets that were open did not want to sell us more provisions than for only one family, not understanding that we were cooking for more than 100 people. That must have been a huge challenge for you. And I know that you mentioned to me before that the people were um, thinking that maybe you were bringing the virus there. And how sad when you're a missionary wanting to spread the gospel to them, you must have felt stuck. So what did you do? It was very challenging. Well, during the lockdown, I began to pray and claim God's promises. And I began to study. And uh, God really brought me to a chapter in Isaiah, chapter 58. And I was especially impressed with the words in verse 7. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And the Lord convicted me and our team to change our approach and follow his instructions in Isaiah 58. To reach the world, we must begin with our neighbors. And the fast that God wanted us to do was spelled out right here in Isaiah 58. It's such a powerful chapter. Actually, I just memorized that a few weeks ago. And what I love about it is all the promises that are just in there for us. So tell me, after you and your team did that, what were the blessings? What was the results? What did you do? We started a project called Here Am I, based on Isaiah 6-8, led by our students and organized by them. We began baking bread for the nearby community since all bakeries were closed and no one could buy bread. We shared a bag of bread rolls to every family in the village, which is about 45 families or 50 families. They were very appreciative, and this started to open their hearts to us again. And we continued to do this every week. About one month into the quarantine, the first case of COVID-19 was found in Ectorno, the nearest town to us. 
and they did a complete lockdown with police and military presence enforced a lockdown. And in the middle of this, we continued sharing our with our neighbors, even with the dwindling resources that we had. Wow, that must have been a test of your faith. Yes, absolutely. We had basically nothing left, but God kept providing for our needs as we kept sharing with our neighbors. Yeah, and you ran out of food, but then God worked a miracle and he provided the food through um, somebody who opened their shop that wasn't supposed to. That's amazing. And I want to hear about another miracle. Can you share the other one? There's so many, but just one more. Sure. Well, one week they went out with food for 60, but miraculously served almost twice as much by the end of the day. And we're not only doing giving out um, bread, but also doing haircuts and medical services and hot food hot meal once a week. And our students and staff are donating and they're going hungry, donating their meals to them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Wow, you know, um, when I think about all this humanitarian work, I also wonder how is it affecting people spiritually? Well, Juliet, that's the most exciting part. Here's one example of many, a leader of Five other villages came to us one day, not asking for food, but he was asking for hope. And he wanted more than anything, someone to come and pray with the people to give them hope during this time of desperation for many. And people started to come to our church about six weeks ago. Each Sabbath, our attendance is increasing in number. And last Sabbath, we had about 25 people from the surrounding communities, not even counting the children. And we have even local government workers coming to our place for a day or two, or even just a few hours to receive physical, mental, and spiritual nourishment before they head back to their work. And the local government one time sent us 5,000 mandarin oranges to show their gratitude for our services. And also, not only this, our students and staff, when they come back from one of these outings, there's, they tell us their stories and testimonies. And one time we had, we spent three hours listening to testimonies and it was so inspiring. And we kept wanting to do more and more, reach out to other towns and to the bigger cities. You know, there's been so many hindrances along the way, but it's amazing when you and a group of people put God's word into practice and do what he says, the results and the amazing miracles that come out of it. Thank you so much, Dosung, of sharing this testimony. It really touches my heart. And I just want to ask that God will bless you richly. I know you have a huge vision of reaching many cities with millions. And I believe God will do this as you continue to sacrifice and do what he says in Isaiah 58. I want to encourage the ASI family, you also can memorize and apply Isaiah 58. And these blessings are not only for Bolivia, but they're for you and for your neighbors in your community as well. So thank you again, Dasung. And we'll be praying for you every day. And God bless you. Thank you, Julia. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Take care. Our next interview is with Happy Family Bible Seminars. And we're going to hear from Gordon Martinborough. Denzel, I think you're going to be really excited about this new resource that they made because it combines two of your passions, health and Jesus. Amen. So let's, let's take a look. Amen.
Well, it's so good to have you here, Gordon, from Florida. Welcome to ASI. And I just would love to hear about your series, the Healthy and Happy series that you're um, putting out there. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, our ministry has produced an evangelistic series that marries health issues with Bible doctrines in one's each has one seamless presentation of the two. Uh, for example, when we talk about how to prevent a heart attack, we also talk about how to get a new heart from Dr. Jesus. So it is one presentation by one person doing both parts. Wow, that's really interesting. That's a little different than the traditional evangelistic series because when I go, I hear them um, give a health talk, but it's not conceptually related to the evangelism talk that the pastor gives. So this is all together. That's beautiful. How Sorry. brilliant. So what kind of topics do you cover in this series? Well, we cover all of the major health issues. We deal with hypertension, diabetes, weight control, uh, cancer, the whole works. Wow. And of course, we deal with God's remedies. Uh, diet, exercise, temperance, etc. And at the same time, we cover all the Bible doctrine, including the remnant church, the judgment, uh, uh, tithing, everything is covered. Wow. So can a lay person um, give this, or do you need a health professional or a pastor? Oh, no. A lay person can do it. In fact, that's the purpose of the series. It's to empower anyone who wants to do integrated uh, health evangelism to do so. You do not have to be a, a, have an MD degree in order to tell people that to prevent diabetes, uh, they should manage their intake of calories and deal with their output by exercise. Using an example, uh, these are simple, practical things that any person can present. I love it. So what kind of resources are linked with this? Any, um, can you just describe it a little more to me? Sure. We have three sets of resources. The first set has to do with those who want to preach. And for that, there are two things. There is the Healthy and Happy Manual that has the sermons uh, and other resources. And then the companion for that is the flash drive. The Healthy Happy Flash Drive has the PowerPoint presentations for all 15 sermons in both English and Spanish. So that's for the preachers. So how about if, how about if you're more like a teacher like I am? I'm not a preacher. Or how about if you're super shy and you don't want to get up front? Do you have something for people like that? Yes, for those who want to teach instead, then the 15 presentations are formatted in colorful study guides, 15 of them. And those study guides also have PowerPoint presentations that are associated with them. That's great. And then you have some videos too, right? Yes, for those who neither preach nor teach, any church member can share this information because they are formatted in 24 short seven-minute videos. And so any member can tell their friends, go to Healthy and Happy 
www.thepeacefulfamily.org and all the videos are there. So whether you preach, teach, or just uh, be a regular member, everyone can do it. That's so neat. Hey, um, so I know this is new, but have you heard of any results yet? Because people want to try something that works. They want to know that it's worked. Yes. Uh, in the Riverhead uh, Church, that's a small church in Long Island, we had a campaign, 15 souls were baptized. In Trinidad, they did scores of such campaigns, and uh, it is reported that there were almost 500 baptisms from those campaigns. And then there's the Dutch-speaking country of Suriname. Very difficult. 20 healthy and happy campaigns yielded 402 baptisms. Amen. I think we have time for one more quick story. Do you have one to share? Oh, yes. At that Riverhead campaign, uh, there is a man called Mario Santos. Uh, friends gave surveys, and when his, the survey came back and they called him, he said, I didn't fill out any survey. Uh, so we don't know who filled out that survey for him, but he came, he was baptized, he's now an active member of the church. So in heaven, then we'll know if it was a friend that filled out the survey or maybe even an angel. We never know. You know, never know. <laughs> Gordon, I... I about uh, what is happening in the Southern Asia Pacific Division, where uh -huh. there are non-Christian countries. Pastor Samuel Saw has pointed out that he wants to use this throughout the division, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, all of those non-Christian countries, because health is a good entering wedge. You know, that makes me so excited because those are the countries that I work in too with ASAP, and I know they need this kind of resource. And you know, I think it's very valuable because when um, somebody's interested in health, but not necessarily the Bible yet, this can be something that can bridge it. Thank you That's so right. much for sharing. May God bless you in your ministry. And I'm excited to be able to get these resources. So um, I'll be looking for those. And I, I um, vouch for it. I think it's awesome. Okay, Julia, thank you. <laughs> I have been looking forward to our next interview because Julia, you and I both have a special place in our heart for the country of Cambodia and especially their people. Yes, we do. And we're going to hear from John and Natalie Wood and Miranda Lundby with Jesus for Asia now. We'll see a short video first, though. Cambodia is a Buddhist country. 95% of the population are Buddhists. So there's no question that this country needs the gospel. Cambodia has about 18 million people, and I think about 3% are Christian. And currently we have around about 3,000 active Seventh-day Adventist church members in the country. So you can see there's this huge need. In this whole big country, I think we have about seven pastors. Imagine, the whole country has seven pastors. We need to create an environment where people will be open to the gospel. One way of doing it is to open up schools. Badambong is the second largest city as well as province in Cambodia, and we do not have any school at all. 
Our mission is a small mission, and tithe per capita is only $34. So it would be impossible for a small mission like Cambodian Mission to be able to have the funding needed to start a school. The idea uh, was written down in 2015 when the Cambodia Adventist Mission had its strategic planning for the next five years. And so it's, it's been on the books since then. And when Miranda came along saying, I want to build a school, I said, Miranda, I've got a perfect project for you. Go and see the mission president and tell him what you want to do. It's great to see you, John, Natalie, and Miranda. It's extra special and fun that I get to interview friends, and especially since it's about a project that is so close to our hearts. So, Miranda, you've been instrumental. God has used you in developing this project, and I know it all started with a literal dream. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so when I was... 15 years old, I was really praying for God to show me what he had for my life. And he gave me a dream where I was walking along a path towards my house and a tall, shiny man stood there and told me to find a missionary organization in Tennessee and a man named Elder Wood. And it took about five years for me to find them and learned about them through a faith camp that they put on. And at that time when I met them, I was already signed up to go as a student missionary for a year with Adventist Frontier Missions. And while I was over there for that year, that's when Tim introduced the project to me. Wow. And I think at the same time, you were praying for somebody that um, had a master's in education, right, John? That's correct. 2011, I was I saw a huge need for someone for to open schools and um, in that area, and we needed a, a somebody with masters in education. So I prayed, thinking, "Well, this is impossible," and not knowing that God was preparing somebody at that right point in time. And what's really cool is that now recently, uh, another couple, another family has joined us, and and Natalie, <laughs> the lady of that family, has also a masters in education. Oh, Not me, another Natalie. Yes, yes, yes the Howells. I think we have a picture of them too to show. Um, That's correct. Yeah, there they are. And yeah, Natalie's behind that person, but uh, she has a master's in education, and then Lloyd will be looking over the construction of the project. Wow. Well, Miranda, give us a little progress update on this um, school. Okay, so. We're hoping to build a boarding academy that's for 7th through 12th grade, and the goal is that in this area we will be able to um, share Jesus with our students, but also with the local community, because there's not a lot of Adventist presence in that area, um, even churches or, or workers in that direct location. So we're really hoping that that will be the what we can do. And um, they're also, right now, we're working on... Um, clearing the land is what they're just finishing up. They, they got the go-ahead um, to clear land after we checked for landmines. And so we would have built already, except that COVID hit. We would have built our first building, but hopefully that will come very soon. Yeah. So what has been going on during the COVID time, John? Have you so just been sitting around? I doubt it. 
No, God's been expanding in so many ways. Uh, we saw some real needs there. A lot of families are struggling with getting enough nutrition during this time. And so we've, we've been uh, providing uh, about 48 families in the, in the area with some uh, nutrition packs to help them keep going, which is a really great way to uh, connect with our local community. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what is a website or a way that we can stay updated on this project? Because it's so important. I really see the need for it because Cambodia needs schools like this. So how can people keep in touch with that? Well, we can go to jesusforasia.org and uh, all of our projects are there and this is uh, a big one. And so jesusforasia.org. Okay, well, good. And I do wanna say congratulations, Miranda, for your engagement. That's very exciting. And it's extra special that you're engaged to John and Natalie's son. So that is so cool. Well, God bless you. And this project will be praying. And we just know that God is going to do amazing things through it. Thank you so much for sharing with ASI. Thank you. Thank you. I think ASI is important because I think that we as human beings naturally will take the easiest route out. And the easiest thing to do is just sit in your space and do nothing. So ASI calls you out of your own comfort zone. It reminds you of who you are. You are someone who God has done something for, who has a burden for others. And it's easy though to just keep that under wraps. Go to church, pay a faithful tithe, and maybe teach a Sabbath school lesson here and there. But ASI calls you to a higher service than that. And I think that most of us need that extra boost to help us fulfill the, the gospel commission. And so you have to think of new ways of sharing Jesus Christ, questions to ask people that will draw them out, draw their story out, and then find ways of helping them know Jesus Christ and come to Jesus. So I think unless innovation is somehow focused on mission, I, I think innovation just in, in of itself is not helpful. But I think when it comes to how do I win these different varied people to Jesus Christ, I think innovation is extremely important. And that's why I keep coming to ASI. It reminds me and resets my, my compass so that I can continue to increase in my service for Jesus Christ. And I pray that that will eclipse what I do for work at some point. Our next interview will be with Pat Arabito, and she, her ministry is LLT Productions. You know, Denzel, the subject of death is theoretical for some, but for many in this day and age, it's real. And for Pat, it really hits home because she lost her husband and her two sons in a tragic airplane accident. And, you know, God has taken that pain and turned it into compassion for those who have experienced loss. Amen. Yes, and in this interview, we're going to find out the project that she's working on now. Hi, Pat. It's good to see you, even though it's over Skype. How are you? Hi, Julia. Let's wave Lovely. to the ASI family. 
<laughs> we were all face to face. I know it. So, Kat, tell us about your new project. I'd love to. You know, people in this world are confused and terrified about death. And we have a message for them because we know that death isn't terrifying or confusing. So our project is a series of five-minute, very short videos for YouTube on the state of the dead. And each one just covers one topic. There's a host who is Dwight Nelson, pastor of the PMC Church at Andrews University. And the rest is artwork and word graphics. And each one just um, points out the truth about one particular topic of death. So tell me what titles you have and how many do you want to produce? We have a list of over 20 topics and they can even be approached from different ways. And so far we have five of them done. Uh, we have one on the immortal soul because people think the soul is an entity and we want to show them what the Bible teaches about soul. Uh, we have one called folk religion, one on resurrection, one on talking to the dead and one on the witch of Endor. And we're doing the scripts for the next four right now. Wonderful. Why don't we let ASI take a quick look at just a snippet of one of them so they get a feel for what it's like. Great. Let's do that now. It's impossible to be sure of anything but death and taxes. That's what Christopher Bullock said 300 years ago. It was the English dramatist who first coined that phrase. You've all heard it as a lighthearted acknowledgement of the inevitable. True, some people find ways to cheat the tax man. Some get caught, some get away with it, but nobody has yet found a way to cheat death. No matter how you spin it, death is the ultimate certainty. The clock is ticking and people are dying. More than 100 per minute, over 150,000 every day. Sooner or later, you and I, well, you know what I'm saying. It's inevitable. It's like that old country song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. But maybe you find comfort in the hope that death is a doorway to a new form of life. That when you die, your immortal soul will live on forever. In other words, you never really die. Sounds pretty good, right? Besides, it's straight out of the Bible, isn't it? Actually, no. Get yourself a stack of Bibles like this. Several different versions, old and new. Start reading and keep it up until you find the two words, immortal soul. Here's what I found. Zero Nada, nothing. You won't find immortal and soul together in the Bible. Not once. That's right. Never. Pat, I bet that these videos are a shock to a lot of people around the world. It's true. You know, if you think about it, every major religion in the world teaches the idea of the immortal soul, even Christianity. So there's really only a few Christians who don't believe the first lie that you don't really die. So when we put these out, um, we get a lot of interesting comments. We had one string of people from India who were really talking a lot about reincarnation. And then we get people who are absolutely sure that the Bible teaches the immortal soul. And they don't understand that even though theologians teach that, they don't find it there. They just assume that's a Bible teaching. So it's a, it really is a big shock for a lot of people. And our goal is you know, to get them thinking. Each video isn't exhaustive. There's lots more to know, but it introduces people to the truth and hopefully puts in their hearts a desire for more. This is a really important message to get out there. And just, it really hits home to me because when my father passed away, my stepmother, who's Buddhist and Thai, 
started seeing him, seeing him at night, and it really upset her sleep. And I said, Chui, don't you want to be able to sleep better? And I tried in my limited tie to explain the truth to her. And she said, yes, I do want to sleep better. And I said, I'm going to pray. My daughter and I are going to pray every night for you. And you know, after we prayed, God took those um, appearances away. And so I know it's serious. And I'm so glad I heard you were going to translate, have this translated in many different languages. So that's really a blessing. We wanted to be available to anyone who can use it right now. They're being translated into Turkish and they're put up on a website in Turkey. I have a, a Chinese friend who's translating them into Chinese and she's going to put them on social media in China. And anyone else that wants to use them, they're available. They're available for television. They're available for anyone that can use them. Uh, ARTV is going to be using them as well as Good News TV in Arizona so far. That's so great. So if people want to access these, how is the easiest way for them to go about doing that? Well, they can go to our website first, LLTProductions.com, and they're available on a Venmo, um, sorry, on a Vimeo link there. They're available on YouTube, and the website is Hope After Death. And you can just Google that, and you'll find it quicker if you do Hope After Death and put Dwight's name in there as well. And we'll just keep posting the new ones to those sites as we're finished with them. That's great. I just want to read this quote to you. Those who think they can do but little should improve every opportunity to do that little. It may be the smallest link in the longest chain. Separated from other influences, it may appear of little worth. But in God's great chain of circumstances, it may be the link which connects a soul to heaven. And my prayer is that these little videos will be those crucial links in the chain to connect souls to heaven, Pat. Amen. My prayer too. Thank you, Julia. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. God bless you. Thank you. You too. I really enjoyed talking to Sophia Rayner. She's a mother of three from Nevada, and she owns a consulting business with her husband. And she shared with me some of her personal witnessing experiences. You know, it's wonderful because I'm always looking for new ways on how to witness. And I'm looking forward to hearing from Sophia. And Sophia and Gary Rayner have been longtime ASI members. Hi, Sophia. How are you? Good, Julia. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm here at ASI. You know, Denzel and I were talking about how you and your family have been longtime members of ASI. So when did you start going? We started attending in 2006. Wow. So that's about 14 years. That's about how long I've been going. So your children have grown up in ASI. They have, and it's an event that we all look forward to every year, and they love seeing their friends and other students and reconnecting. You know, friends are so important for our children. I'm curious how it is in Nevada where you live there. Have they made some good connections and friendships? They have. Fortunately, um, we live in a gated community, And there are a lot of kids in the neighborhood that they've been able to connect with, and especially the homeschool families. 
So we feel quite fortunate and um, it's led to some real blessings and great relationships. That's just wonderful. And you know, um, you told me about how you um, walk through the neighborhood and you greet your neighbors and you pray for them. And it was interesting how you mentioned that um, God told you something on one of those walks. What was it? Yes, um, he told me that he wanted me to meet my neighbors. And I grinned and I said, well, God, you're going to have to do that creatively because I'm not the type of person to go knocking on people's doors and say, hi, I'm Sophia. And what's your name? I totally understand that. And I know we serve a creative God, so I'm really interested in what happened. Yes, well, um, we began a construction renovation project within the gated community, and we had our plans that we submitted to the city planner, and unbeknownst to us, um, there were some neighbors there that disagreed with that. So in order to garner support for the construction, we had to go door to door knocking uh, conduct a social media campaign and meet a bunch of neighbors. Um, but that led to wonderful relationships. And we didn't know we lived with so many fantastic people. Wow, God took the lemons and made lemonade out of it. It reminds me of Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those who love God. Wow. So, yeah. so through that process, you got really involved in the community, didn't you? We did. Um, it led to a number of things, including me joining the Homeowners Association Board. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it was the Safety and Security Committee, the Vendor Committee, Grounds Committee. My children joined the Social Committee for Children in the Neighborhood. So it's been a wonderful blessing. And even in the construction project, you're witnessing to the um, people on the job. I just love that, how you use every opportunity to witness. That's beautiful, Sophia. Yes. So the um, general contractor and his subcontractors on the job, we were able to get to know several of them, and some of them would share different things with us, and it was a great opportunity to offer prayer with them. And uh, there were a few in particular that had health issues and we gave them some books and material which they were so thankful for and they've actually implemented those principles and changed their lives praise the lord so i'm, I'm wondering during this covid time are people more reserved your neighbors or are they are they still open well, it's interesting you bring up COVID because a lot more people have been home. Yeah. So I see so many more neighbors getting out in the neighborhood to do their daily exercises, whether that's walking, jogging, walking their pets, or riding their bikes. So there's a regular group that we always wave to each other, say hello, socially distance. Um, but it's been a great opportunity to get to know more people um, and some of our neighbors here too. 
I love how you uh, were sharing with me earlier about how you're sewing masks and even sewed that one suit for the um, doctor and how touched he was by that. He said, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for me. So thank you for sharing, yes. Sophia. With friendship evangelism, God is using you and your family in such a mighty way. You just praise the Lord for your witness. Beautiful. Thank you, Julia. We really appreciate that. Yeah, God bless. When I get calls uh, at the office or when I meet people when I travel and they say, Pastor, I have an idea for a ministry. I have an idea for uh, something that the church needs that maybe the General Conference hasn't thought of yet or the North American Division hasn't thought of yet. And they're like, can you help me get this started? And I'm able to connect them with other people within ASI and together using the tools and resources that God has given us, we can help make their vision for ministry come true. That's what drives me. That's what fuels me to see young people on fire for the Lord and to see them with a dream and a passion for creative ministries and helping those ministries to be able to start from, you know, nothing and come to life. That's what excites me about ASI. The future for ASI is our new mentoring program. And so we've started a mentoring program where young professionals can receive mentoring or even young professionals can mentor other young professionals. And it's been truly a powerful program. You know, Jesus, when he left this earth, he had trained 12 disciples. He had mentored them. He had coached them. And because he poured into them, they were the ones that turned the world upside down. And ASI is striving to follow that example by mentoring and equipping the next generation. Denzel, our next interview is with Debbie Baker, the president of Heritage Adventist Academy. Yes, you know, Donna and I had the privilege of going to Heritage Academy last fall. And we were so impressed by the, uh, all the activities that the students were doing. But what impressed us the most was the Christ-centered activities that the young people and the faculty were doing to share Christ. Let's take a look at the video. It's so great to be here with you, Debbie Baker. Debbie is the president of the Heritage Academy, and that's in the middle of Tennessee, right? That's right. Yeah, yep. and you know what? I love how Heritage Academy is known for disaster response. And you've done 30-plus um, disaster relief efforts. That's and right. The one you did in March is a little unique, a little different. Can you tell me about that? Sure. Um, you know, we typically have to travel somewhere, right, to respond. We pack things up. We set up where we're going to be staying, what we're going to be doing. This was in our own backyard. As a matter of fact, um, it surprised everybody. Um, started in Nashville. We all saw the news that night. Um, you know, there was there were storms in southern Kentucky. We were told, you know, watch that out for Nashville in the, um, the morning commute. It's going to be a little rough. Um, so everybody went to bed thinking it was going to be okay. And about one o'clock in Nashville, the tornado hit and moved east and struck our little community just about a half an hour west of us in a place called Cookville. And um, unfortunately, those folks with 56 or so towers down got no warning, oh. and 19 people lost their lives that night. Oh, that's terrible. Right. It was, um, 
you know, while we've been to places where lives have been lost, it's different when it's in your community, when it's your neighbors. And, and for us, it was difficult because, um, you know, some of the people that we knew knew them. So um, we, there was no question that we were going to respond. So we got up that morning, most of us having been hunkered down in our um, basements or in our safe places that night, and um, got up that morning to, to do what we could to help. Wow, so what happened? What what did you guys do and who was involved? Right, well, everybody. Everybody at Heritage knows you're all involved, right? Wow. Everybody's trained in disaster response, so everybody knew. And, of course, everybody knew there was a problem, right, mm -hmm. because we were all in our safe places for an hour or so. The tornado had gone up and over our campus, never touched down there, but That's up and over. And, yeah, I was in my basement hearing water flow backwards. Um, it was probably the most harrowing I've personally been in before nothing like what our neighbors experienced but we packed everybody up we contacted the disaster response folks in Cookville that were already hitting the ground running asked what we could do and started debris removal so wow. we just started cleaning up people's houses and um, you know cutting trees up and moving them to the yard and to the street and and things like that so um, you know, that keeps everybody busy, all, all kinds sure. of debris to clean up, so. For sure, and then after that, something special happened. It did, it did that day. Um, we worked all day doing that, and um, and that evening, the incident commander, he's the guy kind of set by the county in charge of that particular incident, and he asked me to meet him at the community center in Cookville, and, and I met him there that evening and said, we, we would like you to run this point of distribution, a pod we call it. And I had lots of experience in pod establishment and running and then disassembling was before. This, this was different because we had crazy outpouring, not just from our own community and people there, but from around the country, even wow. the world. We had a, a container shipment from uh, Australia sent to us no in the way. midst of their fires, they thought of little Cookville and our needs. Mm -hmm. So we Beautiful. had this huge SAMS pretty much in this community center to meet the needs of, of these folks that had been displaced. And So it was your job, your school's job to distribute everything that was pouring in. That's right. And typically with a pod, it's ice, water, the military meals ready to eat, but this wasn't just that. This was um, everything. I mean, from batteries to you name it. And, wow. and the most incredible thing for me personally was that um, after people went around, our liaisons that went with mm -hmm. them listened to their stories. Mm -hmm. and, and I had a little girl come, they, you know, I always told them if there's anything that they need that you don't see here, mm -hmm. bring them to me and let me see what I can do. And for me, that was incredible for, to hear their stories and then be able to meet their needs. And yeah. there was a little girl that came, um, she could have been 20, I'm gonna try not to tear up, it's a little intense, but yeah. she lost her father and her brother. In the, in, the in the tornado, and her mother was at Erlanger in Chattanooga um, in a coma oh. and didn't know that she had lost her husband and son. And this little girl, couldn't have been 20 years old, didn't know what to do, and she just broke down. And she said, um, "My, I, I asked her, Where, where's your brother and your father? And she said, at the funeral home, and I don't have any means to bury them. And so I praise God that one of the things we could offer were contacts with folks in the community that said, I can't be there to do the dirty work, but I can give money.
And so um, I contacted a couple of churches and a couple of individuals and their entire um, funerals were covered. Everything was wow. taken care of. Wow. She just walked away. She gave me the biggest hug and she said, you don't know how this has changed our lives. You know, what a weight off of my shoulders. Oh, Debbie, that gives me chills. That is so beautiful. Yeah, it's incredible. So a, a three or four day pod ended up being a six week pod. We stayed open even through COVID, ministering to our local community, ministering to a lady that I met there all the way through to even just this past week. We put an awning on the outside of her new home and um, we have a fast friendship, I think for eternity. Wow. So you know what? I can just picture Jesus smile when he comes back saying, well done Heritage Academy. Okay. You took care of my town, Cookville for me. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you so Amen. much for sharing. Thank you. Julia, I heard that I'm really excited about our next interview from Watchtaw Hills College. Yes, I had the privilege of interviewing Joshua Holly, the canvassing leader, and Dylene Patino, who is one of the canvasser students there. You know, it's very special to us because in our local church, we've had two uh, Watchtaw Hills College students, and it has been such a blessing. And I've been going to this church for a long, long, long time, and I can tell you that because of what's happening in our economy and with the COVID and everything, we have more Bible studies now than we've had, to my knowledge. And the, the Watchtaw Hills young ladies that are here at our, our local church have been such a blessing. And I'm looking forward to hearing this interview. It's so good you could join us this evening for ASI here, Joshua and Dylene. I just would like you to explain a little bit about canvassing for those who aren't familiar with that program. And also I was curious, is it a big part of the Washita Hills curriculum? So canvassing is a, a big part of Washita Hills curriculum. Um, we canvass throughout the semester. We also canvass during the summer and the winter break. And canvassing is where we take um, books like The Great Controversy and The Desire of Ages and Steps to Christ, um, books that help and inspire people. We take those door to door and we give them away. We sell them and we just try to meet the needs of the people. That's wonderful. So. I was curious, has COVID-19 affected the canvassing program at all this summer? Um, well, it's interesting. Um, COVID-19 has affected the canvassing program in a very positive way. Um, we've actually had phenomenal success in this program. I've been canvassing for three years and I've, I've never saw the success that I've seen in this program. Um, so many books have gone out. So many people are interested in the great controversy. And, and I've seen, I've saw that COVID-19 has, has helped us. It's helped people see a need. It's helped people um, think about um, eternity and, and, and different things like that. And it's been, it's been a blessing. And, and we've just seen amazing, amazing success in this program. You know, that's really surprising to me because I would think that people would be afraid to open their doors. Yeah, you know, we were like surprised also because whenever we were coming to the program, we were thinking that people would be very uh, aware and very kind of like apprehensive to open their doors and even be willing to get any of these materials with everything that's going on. But we found that God has actually turn this thing mm -hmm. into something good people are actually like missing the 
the contact with others and just having somebody come after so many, so many, you know, weeks of them just being isolated and bringing them hope for the future that is found in God, that has just, it's, it's been wonderful. And so the, you know, the response that we've gotten from the people has been far better than any I've ever seen, Amen. you know, in my Amen. in my short time of canvassing. And so, yeah, we were also very, very surprised at how things turned out. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. So I bet you meet a lot of interesting people when you're out there. So I wonder, can you share somebody that stands out in your mind that you met this summer? Yeah, actually, this just happened like the other day, like very recently. Um, Joshua dropped me off. He was the mobile one and he dropped me off at this gas station right after lunch. And I was not mentally prepared and I was not really willing to go either. My initial response when he said, okay, Dailene, this is where you go. I was like, I don't want to go. Um, but the Lord just kind of told me like, be quick about it. Just talk to this person. And the gentleman I was speaking to, he was not really interested. He was super quick. He told me, speak to my wife. And so I started canvassing them on a children's book. But the moment I pulled out the great controversy and I started Mm -hmm. canvassing her on that one, she immediately froze and she was like, wow, you have no idea. You might think this is a coincidence, but yesterday I was talking to my children about what's in this book what you just told me that it's about and I just got off the phone right now with my brother and he was I was telling him that all of the riots and everything that's going on is actually a sign that the end is near Mm. and then you come and you show me this book like you might think this is a coincidence but I know God sent you and I know God sent these books and that just blew me away because <laughs> I've never seen God work like so clearly. Yeah. Just a few minutes right before I was dropped off and I met this lady. And I told her a canvas that I usually never use, but the Lord worked it out. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I know you shared earlier with me, Joshua, a story about somebody too. Do you want to share that? Yeah, I was canvassing several weeks ago. and. Um, I had um, knocked on this door. It was a really nice home, and this gentleman came to the door. And um, I began canvassing him, and he was a bigger gentleman. Um, looked like somebody that would not be too interested in Christian books. And But I continued to tell him about our books, tell him about the great controversy and the desire of ages. And he began showing interest. And um, he ended up buying three um, books from me. And after he bought the books from me, he said, you know, I believe in divine appointments, and I believe that God sent you here. Um, he had been going through a lot of different things, and he had just lost his wife. And um, I asked him if I could pray with him after he bought the three books. And after I asked him if I could pray with him, this gentleman began crying. Began crying, wow. And um, he started crying, and that's when he told me that he had just lost his wife. His wife had died, and he was going through a lot of different things. And I, I was able to wrap my, my arms around the guy, and we um, prayed together. And he actually signed up for Bible studies. I told him that we were the pastor of the church that we're staying at here in Mississippi, the the College Drive um, Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pearl, Mississippi, um, that the pastor would be willing to do Bible studies with him. And he was very, very interested in the Bible studies. He signed up, and his name is Kelsey. And so maybe we could um, keep Kelsey in your prayers. Definitely. We'll definitely pray for him. 
You know, it's such an important work that you're doing. And Dailene, I know that you have a passion for this because you told me earlier, Jesus is coming so soon and we need to get the word out. And I totally agree. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing. We're going to keep you all in prayer. God bless you. Thank you thank so you. much. Denzel, I want you to just relax for a second and listen to this beautiful hymn as Water to the Thirsty. And I'm not going to sing along. I'm going to spare you the torture of hearing that. Okay? Listen in. That was so beautiful, Julia. Who played that? Erwin Nanashi. He's the Minister of Music for Weimar Institute, and he has a new project in the making called Know Him, but it's H-Y-M-N. Oh, that is really a neat play on words. Let's hear the interview now. Hi, Erwin. Thank you so much for playing my favorite song. That was beautiful. You know, when I, when I describe your music, I would just say it's joyful. You're a gifted music, musician, just amazing musician. So tell us a little bit about the Know Him Project. Well, the Know Him Project is a project that is to bring worshipful music and high quality to congregations, especially hymn accompaniments. Praise is so important. And what better way to do that than with hymns that can be sung worldwide. And so as churches have requested it, as individuals have requested it, as families, we thought it is time. It is time to make something like this available. You know, I know it's a real big need. I travel to a lot of churches to speak for ASAP. And when they don't have a musician, it affects the whole worship experience. And so I'm excited about this. So what got you interested in this project, Erwin? See, several years ago, two friends of mine, Joel Nedley and Romero Cuero, they had been telling me that there's a demand for churches to have music. And I said, you know, we can just visit them. And when we would visit the churches, they would say, well, how can we listen to more of this music when you're not with us? I said, well, what can be done? And so throughout the time, also working at Weimar Institute as service minister of music here. Um, we have patients that come, we have students that are here, uh, church members and community members all around the world that have been encouraging us to provide something like this. And we want to respond to what we have been asked to do. And so this is the time to now put it out so that people can listen to hymns anywhere at any time. I love how a young person like you would be passionate about hymns. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't always like this. When I was young, I didn't understand the hymns completely. I didn't understand the function that they had. But see, the Bible talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so hymns have this particular function of sharing more about Christ. And so in my research that I was able to conduct also a case study on congregational hymn singing, we noticed that people enjoy the hymns once they understand them more fully. 
And so for me as a young person, I enjoy them not uh, in the least because of the music now, but also because of the stories behind them. Once you know what the writer has gone through and why they wrote something, oh, you can say, oh, I can relate to that. Oh, that's a song about that? That's amazing. And before you know it, you may even start writing your own songs and sharing them with others. That's great. So what will this look like, this project? So we are thinking of uh, an app, an app that can be made available to anyone in the world so that you can easily access the songs that you so like. And uh, it will have at least three components. One of them will be hymn accompaniments that are inspiring, that you will sing your heart out. Not just background music, but actually singing with your heart as if we're in a congregation or a convention, a conference like at ASI. The second thing is that we notice some of the songs may be written too low or too high. And so we want to put them on a lead sheet that has a key that is more friendly to the singers. And perhaps also some harmonization that may be more fresh for those that are interested in that. The third one is that we want to include the stories. So as you are selecting one of the songs, you can also reflect on the stories and say, oh, wow, this is what is behind it. Now, if there's uh, more time that we have, uh, we are going to include other items as well. But this will be the better version that we want to make available um, as soon as possible, hopefully by December. Wow, that sounds wonderful. I can't wait for this to come out. So. Um, I know this has much, taken a lot of work, and it will take you all a lot of work, um, but um, is, are you doing this on your own, or is there a team? I know you work at Weimar as the Minister of Music. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do this by myself. In fact, uh, I didn't come up with this idea to begin with. I said, this is an enormous project. Um, we are thinking of recording all the hymns at some point, and not just in English, but also perhaps some uh, hymns that are available only, say, in German or in Spanish, and uh, record those as well. So while I'm going to be playing the piano, there will be others involved in the recordings, in the editing, in the note setting, and then also in the app development. It was such providence that about two weeks ago we had a good Seventh-day Adventist web developer and software designer contact me and said, Erwin, I don't know much about music, but I appreciate it. And you have what we need, and I think we have what you need, and that is app development. I said, this is, this is just a, a connection made in heaven. And so with that, we can make it available, and we are so excited about this. Because the praise of uh, praising God is so essential to our work on this earth. In fact, that's what we will do in all of heaven. And so we want to inspire others to join that praise now. You know, I, I want to know how I can be notified when this app is out. Because I want it. And I want it for all the churches that I work with in Southeast Asia. So how can I know when this is going to be done? Um, that's a good question. I think the best way to do is uh, that you are going on our website, sacredsoundfoundation.org, and on our website you'll have the ability to write us a little note, and the reason we have that note in there is so that you can mention your favorite hymn. Just like you mentioned to me as Water to the Thirsty, and we were happy to record that song for you, um, we we're happy to record other hymns as well. So if you have a favorite that uh, your church really enjoys, then put those in there, and they may be one of the first ones that we're recording. And so if you send us that email, you'll be notified on all the updates that are coming on this project. Okay, thank you so much, Erwin. And I want to say congratulations on your baby, um, Avi Jubilee. And I hear he thank loves you. music already. 
So you know what he we're going to do now? We're going to just take a couple moments to, at the conclusion here, to stop and reflect on how great our Lord is as Erwin plays a little snippet of that. Thank you, Erwin. Amen. God bless. Amen. You too. God bless you. Thank you. Our next members in action is a very special one because, you know, many a times when we plant those seeds, we never know the outcome of those seeds and we won't know until eternity to find out the benefits of the seeds that we have planted. But tonight we are very special. We have a very special guest with us live that's going to tell us the story. Welcome, Daniel Reed. We're so glad that you're here. And you're an ASI member. And tell us a little bit about your business. Yes, uh, thank you, Julian Denzel. I, I, I own a flooring company, and we do commercial flooring for hospitals and gyms. And we do some residential, but our primary is for commercial. Where do you live, Daniel? I live in Haymarket, Virginia. That sounds familiar. I think that's Elder Mark Finley's church, isn't it? It is. It is. That is, yes. Are you members there? I am. We are very active in the church, and uh, we help a little bit with the ministry there, but mainly my wife. I don't do a whole lot, but she's the one that helps. (laughs) Tell me about your family. Sure. Uh, My wife, Leslie, uh, we have two kids, Joshua. He's 13 years old, and he's in the back right now. And we have Kylie. She's nine years old, and she's at home right now, I think, staying up a little bit late watching right now. Well, Daniel, I know this story starts, I believe, at age 10. Can you tell us the story? Certainly, Denzel. Well, at the age of 10 years old, I can say it started a little before that, but I grew up in, actually I was born in Guatemala, grew up in a very poor situation. My mother worked very hard at the fireworks company, and eventually she got uh, the powder just burned her lungs out, and she died at the age of 29. Then we, I was sent to live with my aunt and my uncle, and my siblings stayed with her stepfather. But a few months later, my uh, my aunt just felt like she didn't want me, or at least that's what I sensed. So one day, I took up my clothing, I put it in a plastic bag, and I told her, I don't think you want me here, so I left. And she told me, just bye, that was it. I got back to my siblings, and that very night, the, our stepfather decided to go to prayer meeting, except that he didn't go to prayer meeting. He went to rent a truck, and he came back, took everything out of the little shack that we had, and he moved out and abandoned us. During that time, we looked out for friends, and uh, they took us to the government uh, courthouse, and they called three orphanages, and only one showed up, and that was International Children's Care, a member of ASI. They felt so impressed to take us, and we became part of the family through the ministry of ICC. Amen. And then after that, you got adopted, didn't you? I did, yes. My parents, David and Janet Reed from South Haven, Michigan, adopted four of us all at once. They already had three kids of their own, David, Peggy, and Mindy, but they decided to adopt all four of us. Wow, that's amazing. Our family adopted one, and I thought that was a lot. I can't imagine adopting that many, having seven kids. Um, 
you got there? I bet it was terrible culture shock. Did you speak English? I knew one word. That word was no. <laughs> well, I did not know any English, but my mother sat with us day after day to teach us English. And we arrived on Thanksgiving morning. We saw some snow flurries, and the very next day, my parents put us to work and to learn English. And we learned English. By the March of the following year, we started full courses of school and um, math and all so forth. But my mother did it all from home, and she homeschooled us all the way through high school. Amen. Amen. Daniel, what was your first experience with ASI? Well, I was, uh, then so I was 15 years old when my parents took us to an ASI convention in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm. I walked in there, and I was so impressed by ASI and all the ministries that I thought to myself, if someday I have a business, I'm going to be a member of ASI. Yay, and you did become a member. I did. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh. And so tell us, how has ASI impacted your business? Well, I wanted our business to not just be a business about making money. I wanted it about being a mission field. In our work, we, every Monday, we meet together, just about every Monday, and we have worship with our office staff. And, you know, it's a time for us to pray together, to share together. Uh, we have about 13 workers, and all but one are non-Adventists. So it is a time when we really have an opportunity to learn about God. And the Lord has used that opportunity to really be a blessing to the employees. During that time, you know, we also I encourage them to also be a blessing to our customers. Is it hard with the Sabbath issue with your customers since I'm sure you don't work on Sabbath? We don't work on Sabbath. We do, like I mentioned, we do hospitals. And so a lot of times they have a lot of emergencies. But there's one thing. There's, they wait for us. They know that even though we don't work on Sabbath, they will wait for us. And they know that we will get the job done. Amen. So, in fact, one of the managers from one of the hospitals is watching right now. So we want to say hi to Hank right now. Hi, Hank. Can you tell us some stories of how you are witnessing in your business? Certainly. You know, I, as I go out there, I sometimes feel impressed that the Lord has me to encourage some of our customers. One of a particular story I can tell you right now is of a customer that called me. He says, hey, Daniel, I want to refinish the floors in my house. And I was, as I got to the house, I noticed the floors, and they were not that bad. So I took a cleaner, I cleaned up the floor, and he's looked at it and says, wow, that looks pretty good. And then... Uh, I said, you don't need to redo these floors. Just clean them up and you're good to go. And he says, thank you very much. And I walked out of the door, went to my car, and then he ran to my window and he knocked on the window. I thought I had forgotten something, but no. He said, and he was open with me, he says, I'm an atheist. But if I had met a Christian, I just met one today. Amen. Because he says, three companies have come here. And they all have given me different stories. Only you told me to clean my floor. Then he went on to share that he had brain cancer and that he was going into surgery. And that's why he needed to sell his home. Oh, amen. So, amen. Can you tell us one message that you want to leave to the ASI family today? Yes, I'm, I'm reminded of Ephesians 11, 1. Cast thy breads upon the waters for it will return to you after many days. And this is for my ASI family. 30 plus years ago, 
the ASI family were supporters and they're still supporters of ICC. You know, never knowing that 30 plus years I'm standing here as a fruit from that money that were donated. We never know the fruit that God will produce just from the little pennies that we give. But as we think about the mission work that God has, it's amazing. We'll just find out in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing your testimony. Thank you.
It is now time for our offering in action. I'm here with Debbie Young. And Debbie, where's the first place we're going to go to tonight? We're actually going to go to the jungles of Peru. And just as we heard in that song, Eben, Eben uh, Espinoza is going to tell us how they are rescuing the perishing by using an amphibious plane. Very interesting. And they have a real need. So it's really important for us to hear and understand that as we think about our offering this weekend. Amen. Looking forward to it. Millones de personas en este mundo están tratando de conocer acerca de Dios. Cada persona allí tiene un espacio vacío en su corazón que ellos no saben cómo llenar. La diferencia entre esas personas y la gente que vive en la selva es que lejos allá en los montes ellos no tienen tanto acceso a las verdades bíblicas como las tienen las personas que viven en las ciudades. Las necesidades son claras y el llamado es ahora. Y es por esto que Perú Projects existe. Estamos aquí para llevar el Evangelio a la selva. Desde 1997, a través del esfuerzo de algunos miembros de la Iglesia Adventista del Séptimo Día de Pitmont Park en Lincoln, Nebraska, este lugar ha sido de gran bendición para muchas personas en esta selva. Cada mañana nuestro equipo, antes de trabajar, se reúne para adorar y buscar a Dios. Cada trabajador y familia en el campus tiene la misma visión y sentido de visión y servicio. Usamos diferentes estrategias para llevar el Evangelio a la selva. 44 congregaciones y a las cientos de comunidades y pueblos que necesitamos alcanzar. Para llegar a estas comunidades se tardan días en botes y otras, la única manera de llegar es por vía aérea. Es por esto que una de las partes más fuertes en nuestro programa es el apoyo que tenemos con las avionetas. Tenemos dos aviones misioneros, un Cessna 182 y un avión anfibio Lake 250. Con esos aviones podemos trasladar a misioneros para entrar y salir a la selva, así como llevar materiales a nuestras iglesias. Al mismo tiempo pueden salvar vidas a través de los vuelos de emergencia y asistir a las comunidades con vuelos cívicos en los cuales se hacen apoyo a diferentes comunidades en la selva. También tenemos una escuela de entrenamiento médico misionero. Y los estudiantes aprenden de manera teórica y práctica. Son entrenados para sanar y servir en la selva como misioneros. Hemos llegado al momento en el que cada hijo e hija de Dios está llamado a tomar el trabajo médico misionero como una puerta de entrada para el Evangelio. Eben, thank you for joining us from the jungle side of Peru. Seems like Peru Projects has a, a, a great work to do, reaching people in the jungles for Jesus. Tell us how many churches uh, are there that you're serving. Thank you. Yes, uh, currently we are serving 67 churches in the jungle, in 67 communities that we have established a church right now. But there's thousands of more communities that we still have to reach. And how many are only uh, accessed via the water routes where you need the amphibious plane? Yeah, where we are on, on this 67, 62 of them don't have runway. So they depend on the amphibian plane so we could land in front of the community or the village. 
So tell me, how does that work? Explain a little bit for us what the amphibious plane is. How, is it, how does it operate so that it can get to them on water? Yeah, it, it truly is a blessing, that tool, because it has uh, the capacity to take off from the ground, land on the water, put the wheels in, and then it can land on the river, or take off from the river, put the wheels down, and land on the airport, nearest airport if an emergency is. So that uh, ability to do both runway or water it's a very valuable tool. We can reach mostly any place where there is water in a matter of minutes or hours. So it sounds like you have a lot of churches and a number more communities to reach. How many planes do you currently have? We have two planes, the Cessna 182 and the Amphibian, that is the Lake Renegade, which well, hasn't flown in the last two years. But with the Cessna, we've been flying and we've been continuing to provide medical support, emergencies, and visiting the other churches that we can. Tell me what uh, the amphibious plane, or if you have a story where the amphibious plane was really helpful uh, in reaching people for, to meet a specific need. Yeah, well, the, the, the biggest need or, or more visible need of the amphibian is when we have medical emergencies and we get people to call us to get to the community. If, if, if someone needs to be moved to the hospital in the city, it will take uh, three to five days if they come on a small boat. If they come on the fastest boat, it will take 28, 30 hours. The plane can do that in 45 minutes, an hour and a half, depending on the distance. So it, it makes a difference between life and death. And with these emergencies, la, the last year that the plane flew, we had a nice testimony of the hospital that this region where we were serving, it was the only region in the country that didn't have any deceased pregnant ladies. And that was because of the plane of transporting and, and moving the pregnant ladies to the hospital. It made a difference in, this, in the area. And the hospital thanked us, and they were very uh, thankful and, and because of the, the plane, how it, was, it made a difference on the other communities. Wow, I imagine that the use of this service, this, uh, this, um, the plane and the things that it can do for the people there, really opening their hearts so that they can receive the gospel. So thank you very much for all that you're doing through Peru Projects to touch lives and to provide services and support for those that you're looking to save for Jesus. Thank you, Eben. Thank you. We'll be praying for the plane to be flying soon. Our next offering is a very special one, and, uh, and the person who's going to be presenting it is uh, no stranger to us, Kyle Allen. But Kyle Allen now works for Adventist World Radio. And Debbie, this radio station is very unique, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's to be established in Iraq to reach the Kurds. So we're really interested and, and excited to, that for the opportunity to provide support so that we can reach people who need to hear the gospel. Hi, Kyle. It's so good to have you here with us from Adventist World Radio as one of the vice presidents. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Adventist World Radio, some of the countries where it is uh, ministering and some of the ways that Adventist World Radio is ministering to people. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. It's great to see you and good to be with you here at ASI. 
Um, you know, AWR is an incredible ministry that I'm really privileged to serve in, and it has been um, for over 50 years, almost 50 years, broadcasting the Adventist message to the world, to the places where it's hardest to reach even. Our, our motto, no walls, no borders, no limits. The radio waves and the digital waves now can reach into areas that missionaries can't even go. So in over 130 languages, Debbie, on over 1,000 stations worldwide through FM, AM, digital, shortwave, and now through social media, the internet, podcasts, uh, God pods, you name it, whatever medium we can use to get the gospel to the world is, is what we're all about because we believe Jesus is coming soon and he has called us to proclaim the three angels' messages to the world. Amen. So then tell me, with all these ways that you're able to proclaim the gospel, what kind of impact has the pandemic had on AWR's outreach? Well, you know, um, that's a good question, uh, Debbie. The pandemic, of course, slowed us down. We've not been able to travel as much and, and go to the places to help build up the work. But in an unusual way, it's given us even bigger opportunities that we never would have dreamed of at the beginning of this year. Like a lot of ministries, we had to shift a lot of our focus online. And so through um, the Unlocking Bible Prophecy series with Cami Utman, which you'll hear about uh, a little bit later this weekend, God blessed in a tremendous way. And through social media, through YouTube, Facebook, uh, we were able to reach over 2 million people who have viewed the content of Unlocking Bible Prophecies, thousands of people requesting Bible studies, and still today, Debbie, over 30,000 new viewers per day are watching her series on YouTube. So God is really blessing through um, the Unlocking Bible Prophecy series. In addition, we've been able to work with over 10,000 digital missionaries, some of whom are just posting on their Facebook, sharing the content, some of whom are actually answering Bible questions and praying with people, but engaging lay people in the work of responding to the interest in these prophetic meetings. But, you know, that's that's during the pandemic time. You know, I could I could say so many other things about the work of AWR. Of course, we talk about radio, which is actually still happening now. Of course, even though the pandemic is is bad, people are stuck in their homes. One example, Debbie, in the Philippines, the island of Mindoro, where just three years ago we didn't have Adventist radio practically on the island. Now, by God's grace, we have 12 stations, over 131 villages that are listening to Adventist World Radio and just got the numbers in yesterday, over 10,000 have been baptized, including some communist rebels who live in the mountains of this island and all because of radio. It's incredible what God is doing. In an undisclosed country, in Asia, Debbie, we have over 80 believers now who are listening to the Adventist message through AWR because they heard it on shortwave radio and their lives are threatened by you know, the Muslim authorities in the area, but they have heard the truth and they are faithfully listening now and wanting to be baptized. So just a couple of examples, of course, Papua New Guinea, um, we've got radio there as well. And before the pandemic, you know, we had planned to go there and do um, a series of evangelistic meetings. They had a goal of 100,000 baptisms. But now, post during the pandemic, now they're saying because people are listening to those radio broadcasts, now they are their goal is 200,000 baptisms in Papua New Guinea, by God's grace, uh, as we look to 2021. Just a few examples, Debbie, um, so many more around the world of how God is blessing through getting the message out through AWR, even during the pandemic time. Wow, that's really exciting. So for the, our offering uh, lineup this year, 
uh, AWR is on, and to do something really interesting, reaching into the country of Iraq. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, thank you, Debbie. Yes, so we have a very unique opportunity in partnership with the Middle East North Africa Union, that's MENA, of putting radio in northern Iraq. Now, this is a region called the Suleimania region where the Kurdish people live. The Kurds are, of course, they're Muslim, but they are an ethnic minority and they've been per persecuted for many centuries. As a result, they are often more open to Christianity. And so other churches have actually been able to go into this region and start work. The Adventist church has not been able to break in, but by God's grace, we see an opportunity here to have a radio station, Debbie, that can reach millions of people in the northern border region of Iraq, even into Iran and places like that. There are over 30 million Kurds that live in Iraq, in Iran, in Turkey, in Syria, across the Middle East. And we believe by having this radio station and by producing content in Turkish, we can actually reach them not only through radio, but through social media and through other avenues to help them understand that there is a God who loves them and that the Bible is true. Well, it is certainly true that through technology, we can reach the world for Jesus. Thank you so much, Kyle. And uh, is there anything, we, we have just a few seconds left. Is there another testimony that you might be able to share about the impact of AWR? Absolutely. So just as another testimony, you know, in China, China's a huge area where, where we need to reach. There's a, a billion people there. And radio is difficult to get a license in China. But we've been training young people, Debbie, young adults who are using their cell phones to preach the gospel through their cell phones. Literally, we have one young man that's been preaching to 30,000 people mm. through his cell phone. We have a young lady there who has been preaching over her cell phone, and she has 30 people who are ready to be baptized as soon as the pandemic uh, gets better and things open up. It's incredible what God is doing through our young adults around the world preaching the gospel through social media. Well, thank you. I'm glad I hung on for that exciting report. <laughs> thank you so much, Kyle, and Amen. God bless you with AWR. God bless you, Debbie. Thank you. Our next ASI uh, member, uh, excuse me, offering in action is uh, ASCP Ministries. Yes, and I tell you, Denzel, when you talk to Julia, her excitement is palpable. And when I talked with her and I talked with Curtis Letniak, it was obvious to me that it's really special that what happens at ASI, how partnerships can be spawned. And so this is a great example of what we can do to support those, those partnerships for the reaching or, of people with the gospel. So let's listen in. Daniel grew up as the son of a rice farmer in a close country. His family and everyone in their village was Buddhist. But after Daniel's older sister got married and moved away, she became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. When Daniel went to live with his sister, she introduced him to the Bible and they studied together until he moved again to find work. After he left, his sister suffered a tragic accident and passed away. Daniel fell in with the wrong crowd. He joined a gang and often borrowed money from his parents to buy alcohol and drugs. When his auntie Josephine, an ASAP church planter, visited him, she was surprised to see how he was living. She invited him to church. Daniel was reluctant, but he finally agreed. Soon, he started reading the Bible again. One day, guilt overwhelmed him as he read the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 
he realized that he had become like the young man in the story. Daniel left his old life behind and returned home to help his parents. Even though there was no Adventist church in the area for him to attend, he faithfully continued worshiping on his own. Eventually, Josephine connected him with an Adventist pastor who led him to baptism. Daniel graduated with the first group of students from ASAP's Youth Evangelist Training Program at our new training center in Ayutthaya, Thailand. Now he plans to return home to continue vocational training and become a self-supporting missionary to his people. There are many more committed young Adventists like Daniel awaiting the opportunity to attend ASAP's Youth Evangelist to have Julia and Curtis with us. And Julia, you're the executive director for ASAP, and we'll hear a little bit more about that in a minute. And Curtis Letniak, a businessman from Canada who also serves on the ASAP board. We're so happy to have both of you here today. Julia, tell us first, uh, what does ASAP stand for, and uh, what's the broad brush um, mission and purpose of ASAP? ASAP stands for Advocates for Southeast Asians and the Persecuted. And ASAP is about multiplying disciples among the poor, the persecuted, unreached, and refugees. And we do that through a holistic way. So we have clean water well projects, we have church plants, we support over 80 schools among the 1040 window. You know, one of the things I've really appreciated, Debbie, about the way ASAP works in these countries is the ethnic missionaries that are used, that uh, are trained and equipped and then sent out uh, to the people in these countries. And it creates a very effective way. People that know the language and know the culture are able to work so effectively among the people in these, these countries in Southeast Asia. Well, I tell you, ASI has been so privileged then to be a part of that outreach and to be able to work with ASAP uh, in, in ministry and support through the offerings. But it's more than just through the offerings. Um, there are other things that happen at ASI that provide support to ministries. You know, it's so true. I love ASI because when you go, there are so many divine appointments that happen and the networking and the people you meet. Like for example, how I met Curtis, Denzel McNeilis, who's um, on our board also, he told me, Julia, you need to meet a friend of mine who's really into missions and loves Cambodia. And then just minutes later at the ASAP booth, Curtis shows up. And so I said, Curtis, I hear you love Cambodia. So if you're ever in Cambodia again, I'd love you to visit some of our projects in schools. Julia, it's so true how, how God, you know, has used ASI to make those connections. And that was really where our interest started uh, with Cambodia was through ASI and hearing about um, some of the work that's being done there. Our family had gone to visit Cambodia a couple of times. And then once we made the connection with Julia, Julia extended this invitation and uh, our family then began a series of trips. Uh, I have, believe we have a picture here uh, to show our family um, in Cambodia. And uh, as a family, we've traveled, I think, six times, and I've been there 10 times uh, to Cambodia. Uh, during our visit uh, with ASAP uh, to Cambodia that first time, um, we have another picture here that shows uh, one of the literacy schools, one of the ASAP literacy schools there that just touched our hearts. You'll notice the school in the background there one thing you'll also notice is the average age of, these are the teachers, these aren't the students in this picture, uh, 14 to 16 years old, these young people volunteering to teach these kids, 200 kids in that small school, 
that we're just being blessed um, by the ministry of ASAP. And it just touched our hearts with the need that exists for training for these young people that were so willing to serve. And so then uh, the next picture shows uh, one of the largest uh, trainings that we worked uh, with ASAP in cooperation with um, some other ASI ministries as well. Uh, for training uh, teachers and church planters, medical missionaries in these schools and uh, throughout the, the countries, um, and particularly Cambodia. It was such a blessing. And that is where I, I found ASI and, and the connections that you make with these ministries. Um, the blessing that you gain from that goes far beyond what we maybe give in terms of you know, financial support or things like that. It's been, for, for our family, the opportunity to be involved with our time and to, to just share the, uh, the blessings that God's given us with connections that we have. Um, Canada currently um, doesn't have an ASAP presence, really, and so, uh, you know, connections that we have in Canada, where we're from, uh, to be able to share at camp meetings and also to raise uh, the ability to, for donations to be made uh, in Canada as well is something that we've been working recently with ASAP on as well. Wow, I tell you, it sounds like connections is the real word here. Exactly. That's great. So tell us about the project for this year. How will offerings provide support to ASAP? Well, ASAP has a missionary tent maker program. And what that is, is where we train young people to do a trade, like become a barber, but also train them to be missionaries. And we support them along the way. And we're so excited about this project. It seems like such a perfect fit with ASI because it's like um, missions and ministry right in the marketplace. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So that's something that you really are excited about then, huh, Absolutely. Curtis? Absolutely. As a business owner, we love to see where projects can be self-sustaining, where they can, um, people can be equipped, and then they can go and be able to support themselves. And uh, so that's uh, very exciting to see this project move forward where um, these uh, Bible workers are able to go into their communities and share Christ in their marketplace. Yeah. Uh, trade like uh, barber or uh, different, you know, repairing um, skills, different things like that, where they can go and create uh, their own way to support themselves and then, then share Christ. You know, I think it's pretty amazing that uh, we hear lots of stories about the impact on people around the world. But what you've shared with me, Curtis, tells me that being involved mm -hmm. changes your changes Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So it's more than just what you give just in the offering plate. It's what you give personally. That's so that's really fantastic. Julia, you were going to say something. Yes, about the, the project that we're doing, one reason why it's so important is because in these closed countries that we work in, a lot of missionaries can't go into a village and say, oh, I'm a missionary, and, and I want to um, tell you about Jesus because of communism or Buddhism or different reasons. And so this project, having them have a trade, really helps. And also just to emphasize, we, ASAP, has been so blessed by the Letniak family. And so... We just love the volunteers and the help and the mission trips. And so we just want to encourage more people to get involved. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you very much, Julia and Curtis, for your contribution you. to our program.
ASI family, haven't we been blessed tonight by the testimonies and by the experiences of our ASI family and what God is doing around the world? Henry Martin, our past ASI president, used to always say that we need to be praying for divine appointments. And I want to challenge us all tonight to continually pray for divine appointments so that we can share the three angels' messages. You know, this is just a small taste of what we're going to be able to experience when we get to heaven. You know, I can't wait till we get to heaven and be there. When we don't have to worry about this COVID or social distancing or time. You know, a a classmate of mine said that we're all looking for the new normal. That's what we're looking for. We all want to go back to the way it used to be. But brothers and sisters, tonight I want to challenge you that our new normal is heaven. And we need to be looking at that as our new heaven, as our new normal. And as we go forth from today, we need to pray that we will do our part to hasten God's soon return. Thank you. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI. Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.